We live in a culture awash in information, you know, flooded with data, the so-called age of uh, information overload. There is just so much media to consume and so many channels to consume from that it's overwhelming. The pace of knowledge creation is such that uh, in the 1900s, the scientists noted that human knowledge was doubling every 100 years. But then uh, things happen and technology evolved so fast that right now, uh, human knowledge or at least the available knowledge to us is doubling every 12 months and this could go down to 12 hours very soon, you know, in a couple of years. Now this sounds sounds all fascinating, but uh, information overload as a, as a concept has been worrying a lot of scientists, you know, especially uh, the neuroscientists. They say that human brain is designed to uh, process and retain information in a very uh, peculiar, particular ways. And those ways, they don't, they don't necessarily change or speed up in the face of changing technology. Uh, and the worry is that this may lead to what uh, scientists, you know, this consumption of uh, abundant information may lead to what scientists call as information fatigue or uh, information intoxication, you know, which may lead to poor concentration, poor decision making, poor mental health, you know, nausea, headache, etc. While the concept of information overload, you know, it seems uh, quintessentially modern, uh, it actually isn't. In the 1400s, um, after the invention of printing press, which led to, you know, accelerated printing, information overload was thought to be um, uh, a grave distraction. But why is that the current situation a unique one? It's because the consequences of information overload today are far more severe and harmful. They are not just causing issues on an individual level, uh, but they are also causing serious uh, societal repercussions. So we are in this age where uh, information is not just in abundance, but it's uh, but also the credibility of it is dubious, it is doubtful. And due to this widespread availability of uh, content production tools, Anyone and everyone can now initiate and take part in public discourse and hence we are seeing uh, that uh, fake news can now tip elections, Uh, a a random tweet can now uh, inspire civil unrest and there's this necessity to step back and practice some responsible consumption of content. There's this need to step back from uh, from this open-armed, zero-scrutiny embracement of everything that's thrown at us. The need of the R is to question the sources of information and, and something more crucial is to question our own biases from time to time, which not many of us do. Now, viewing present day problems from a philosophical angle being the uh, theme of this podcast, there's one person that comes to my mind while we talk about questioning and uh, that is the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates. So who was he? Uh, well. Uh, there's not much known about uh, his personal life per se. The main reason being Socrates himself wrote nothing in his whole lifetime, you know, despite being regarded as uh, one of the founders of Western philosophy. So everything that we know about him, uh, about the way he was, the things he believed and the words he uttered, are all known from his students like uh, Plato. So uh, Socrates did this thing, you know, he liked to walk around the streets of Athens and go to places where he could find groups of people and he engaged anyone and everyone he could in a philosophical dialogue. He discussed topics like uh, religion, morality, ethics, politics, etc, etc. And he asked people, what do you believe in? Why is that you hold this opinion? What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? Etc. For Socrates, uh, this engagement in philosophical dialogue 
it wasn't just a dry and intellectual and boring subject that uh, scholars engaged uh, engaged in but uh, he believed that everyone should do that and and that it's a requirement for living well you know this uh, this pursuit of truth and knowledge was a requirement for living well and he he even went so far and uh, made a statement that the unexamined life is not worth living and this statement is a bit uh, interesting to dig further so what does he mean by an unexamined life you know what does it mean when someone attaches worth or value to something as infinite and, and as invaluable as a human life or a certain form of lifestyle you know it's understandable to say that you know this t-shirt isn't worth paying a thousand or two thousand rupees or maybe this movie isn't worth spending three hours on here we are defining uh, the the value or worth of uh, something by this super simple idea that an item is worthy if the benefits derived from it are far more uh, than the price we have paid or the efforts we have made but what does socrates mean by the worth of an unexamined life so he believed in a thing that uh, we humans uh, we are not good at making ourselves happy rather we are confused or you know misled as to what exactly is that makes um, makes our life worth living you know he believed there are a lot of implicit assumptions and biases that people have and which we you know conveniently we do not realize that we have and uh, it's uh, super important to address them we tend to you know overestimate the power of uh, some things to improve our lives he said and uh, we and likewise we underestimate other things taking present day's example we make a lot of wrong choices guided by advertisements and pr and and false glamour we keep on imagining that uh, a particular kind of possession let's say a car or something like that or a particular kind of experience you know, visiting a generic tourist destination or something would make us happy you know we think it will make a bigger difference than it can at the same time we underestimate the power of other things that may have may have little prestige very little prestige but can contribute deeply uh, to the character of our existence you know for example going on a walk indulging in arts or maybe cooking so what socrates uh, wants us to do here is question our ideas and beliefs you know at least once uh, it may happen that after the questioning one may settle on the fact that yes it is indeed going on a trip that makes me happy but it's important to arrive at this decision after a serious round of uh, questioning oneself you know because there are good chances that one may discover something more satisfying and this is particularly the motto that he lived by that he questioned everything he believed that we should always be you know quick to question and slow to believe and this spirit is important in uh, in the era of fake news and information overload this habit of uh, socrates of persistently questioning himself and uh, and others about their most you know cherished beliefs and about something they deeply believed and never really questioned if they are right in doing so this didn't really do you know any good for socrates he earned a lot of enemies and uh, it was also the reason why he was sentenced to death you know the charges were uh, uh, that he corrupted the youth of athens with ideas that undermined the city's gods and tradition but there's one thing i mean the only thing that uh, good thing that came out of this was a new way of thinking which went on to become the basis of uh, modern scientific and philosophical inquiry known as the socratic method it's sort of a handy mental tool that uh, 
helps us in uncovering presumptions and forges critical thinking. So it's this case where a person questions another person's statement or belief and pretends to accept their answer as true and uh, then asks more and more clarifications and questions. So it's like taking a standpoint of someone who knows nothing and just going on asking questions in a bit to you know, expose contradictions uh, in arguments and gaps in knowledge. So there was this uh, man, you know, a self-proclaimed wise man who was an expert on matters of God. So he makes a statement saying, God knows everything. And this is a bit of a stretch, feels Socrates, and he wants to know if God actually knows everything. And uh, so Socrates goes up to him so, and asks, uh, uh, so you think gods, gods know everything? Why is that? Uh, well, they are gods, you know, they are omnipresent. Uh, they know about everything, said the man. Do some gods disagree with others, Socrates asked. Uh, yes, said the man, definitely. They are always fighting, you know, they are arguing. And that's uh, how you arrive at truth, right? You, uh, you need to discuss. So gods uh, disagree about what's true and false, asked Socrates. I suppose they must too, you know, that's how one should arrive at the truth. There's always some discussion, there's always some disagreement. So some gods can be wrong sometimes is what you are trying to say, asked Socrates. I suppose that is true, said the man. Therefore gods cannot know everything as you claimed, said Socrates. You know, sort of exposing the contradictory views uh, the self-proclaimed wise man held. And this is just an oversimplification of how Socratic questioning works. And, and it goes without saying that there are limits to where we can practice Socratic questioning. Now, we definitely cannot employ it while ordering a cup of coffee uh, or when someone says they are in uh, some sort of pain. To ask, how do you define pain? Isn't that subjective? Is not a wise thing to do. However, Socratic method and the general Socratic spirit of questioning, uh, questioning not just others but also oneself, is something that's uh, missing in this digital era. Hence, it is important to employ this method while we are taking some important decisions or maybe while we are engaging in uh, political discussion or even on social media where we happen to consume a lot of information. Now, why is this important to talk about at this juncture? You know, we live in an era that's uh, infamously known as the age of post-truth. It's a world where objective facts and rational arguments, uh, they do not have the kind of influence that they need to have. You know, rather, public opinion is shaped solely on the basis of uh, emotions. You know, emotions overpower facts and this is not a good thing. It's easier to convince someone, you know, the, the right term would actually be fool someone by employing emotions rather than making an actual rational factual statement. In fact, we all know that uh, just by the power of speech, by the power of uh, rhetoric, you know, persuasion and by the power of emotions, people have gone to become the prime ministers and presidents of the uh, so-called democratic societies. There is no running away from the age of post-truth. You know, there, there is no magic bullet against it. But we can definitely take a step back and by practicing rigorous questioning and skepticism, especially with regard to matters that may have a greater impact on our lives or on the society, we can minimize the damage that's about to be done. In order to seek truth in the age of post-truth, it's important that we carry Socrates' spirit forward. This is the short-form philosophy podcast, Do Israeli Exist? And I'm Sagar Ugar.